0: I wonder if you've ever been to a play where you've watched the curtains close and then when they open the scene has shifted. And if you've ever peeked behind the curtain when that's happening, you know what's going on is that they're moving around the props and actors are getting in different places. And as we turn to Daniel chapter 10 today, what we're going to see is where God pulls the curtain back. He gives us a peek backstage and he lets us see... Uh, not only what is happening in the world around us right now, where there's an angelic realm and there's a war going on, but he also shows us what our part is in it, how when we pray, we have a part in the battle that is taking place. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Daniel chapter 10, where we look at this war that's being waged all around us. In Daniel 10.1, it tells us, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, A message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and he had an understanding of the vision. So, as we look at verse 1 here, what it does is it sets the stage, not just for our passage we're going to look at today in chapter 10, but all the way through the end of the book, because chapters 10 through 12 are one message, one vision that was given and revealed to Daniel. And we're told here it's the third year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. And what that means is it's 536 B.C. And that's significant because at this point in the story of Daniel, the 70 years of captivity have come to a close. You'll recall last week we talked about the four different uh, decrees that were given by Persian rulers regarding the Jews in Israel. And the first one that we talked about was found in Ezra chapter 1. There it was issued in 538 B.C. by King Cyrus. And that decree allowed the Jews to leave Babylon, the area of Babylon, in captivity and return to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding the temple. So at this point in the story, two years have passed. Two years since the Jews were allowed to return from captivity back to Jerusalem. And we see that Daniel is not with them. A little later in this passage, we're going to read that he was down by the Tigris River. The Tigris River is there in the area of modern-day Iraq, so he's not back in Jerusalem. It's not that Daniel didn't want to go back. You'll recall he's been praying for the restoration of Jerusalem. He's been asking God to, you know, allow these things to take place, and he wanted to be back in Jerusalem. But Daniel knows that he's more effective where he is. Daniel had been carried away into captivity about the age of 15. Over 70 years have passed, so he's now in his mid-80s. He's almost 90 years old. And he knows that at that point he would not be much help moving the rubble, rebuilding the temple. But as one who is high up in the king's administration there in the, the Persian area, he can influence the king. He can have access to the palace. He can advocate on behalf of the Jews. And beyond that, he has the ability, as we've seen, Daniel's a man of prayer. Three times a day, he's been going to God in prayer. So again, he can advocate for the Jewish people before the throne of God. By staying where he is, Daniel did as much for the work going on in Jerusalem as the men and women who were there doing the construction and dealing with confronting the enemies. And at Wayside Chapel, you know, we have missionaries all around the world. Uh, Right now, we have one of our missionary couples home on furlough from the Czech Republic. You'll be hearing from Jonathan and Veronica in a few weeks when they do a missionary report. And just in a few more weeks here at Wayside, we're going to have one of our missionaries from India, Subhash, who will be preaching and who will be sharing about the work that is going on in India. And so... We, we have missionaries all around the world, and while you maybe have never physically set foot in those countries or in the many other countries that we support uh, God's work in, you have as much a vital part of the work that is taking place through prayer, through giving. You may never personally stand in this pulpit and preach a sermon at Wayside And yet, when you pray, you are as much a part of the the ministry that is taking place, whether it's myself or any of our other pastors. Because as you pray, you are empowering God's word to go forth. Uh, You have as much a part in the message that I and others preach. It's been said that if there's no prayer in the pews, there's no power in the pulpit. And I firmly believe that. And so as we look at Daniel here, as he's praying, he's involved in the work. And as we're about to see, he's involved in the war that is going on. Satan does not want the message uh, to be revealed that God is sharing. And so this is where this opposition is happening. As Daniel stays behind in Babylon, he says in verses 2 through 3, in those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. So the Jews have been allowed to return, as I said, for two years. And yet as you read the book of Ezra, what you find is at this point, uh, less than 50,000 of the Jews have physically returned to Jerusalem. As the work on rebuilding the temple was taking place, as the opposition mounted, you can read uh, how the work came to a stop. And this is what Daniel is grieving. This is what he's mourning about. He's heard that the the opposition is 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 very hard there. The people are few. The work has has been brought to a halt. And as he thinks about these things, he's grieved. So he goes to God in prayer. And the Hebrew here literally reads that he was praying for three weeks of days. You remember last time we talked about how this is a literal 21 days where we saw the 77s were dealing with uh, seven-year periods back in Daniel chapter 9. And so he's been praying and fasting for 21 days. And in the first part of Daniel chapter 9, you remember Jason took us through a passage talking about praying and fasting. And as we pray, as we fast, what fasting is doing is a way that we focus even more fully on prayer. If you've ever uh, gone through a fast, you know that there's a point where you feel the physical hunger. Your stomach is rumbling. You're, you're feeling that, that lack of food uh, in your body. And, and it helps us to think and focus on a real hunger for God and the things of God when we, when we fast. Another thing fasting does is it multiplies the time that we have to pray. Because as you think about going shopping and buying the food, coming home and preparing it, then sitting down and eating it, and then cleaning up afterwards, how much time can you save if you were not doing those things and you could instead devote it to prayer? And we see Daniel was not only fasting, uh, but what he was doing as well as setting aside the time that would go to grooming, he says he did not use any ointment at all. If you didn't shower if you didn't shave, if you didn't fix yourself up, uh, how much extra time would you have for prayer? And you'd probably have a lot of alone time as well if you hadn't showered for three weeks, right? And so this is Daniel. He's, he's able to spend time alone with God. He, he has all this extra focus as he's praying and as he's pouring himself out in prayer. It says there's silence. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever gone to God in prayer, deep prayer, days, weeks, sometimes months or even years, and you hear silence? And in those times, it can be discouraging. You can say, does God hear? Does God care? Does God even know uh, what it is that I'm dealing with? And in those times where you're discouraged because of silence, read Luke chapter 18. There God tells us, when there is not an answer to your prayer, don't give up, but persist. Continue to entreat God. Continue to go to him. Sometimes what God is doing is he's, he's withholding an answer to develop our faith, to grow us as we wrestle with him. Just like when you work out a muscle, it, it grows as, as you push against something. And so when we pray, you've heard me talk about push before. Pray until something happens, the word push. And there are other times it's not that God is so much at work developing our faith and, and, you know, our dependence upon him. Sometimes there's opposition, opposition we don't even know about, which is what we're reading about here today in Daniel chapter 10. It says in verses 4 through 7, and on the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and I looked and behold, there was a certain man. "'dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Ufas, "'His body was like beryl, his face had the appearance of lightning, "'his eyes were flaming torches, his arms and his feet "'like the gleam of polished bronze, "'and the sound of his words were like the sound of a tumult. "'Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, "'while the men who were with me did not see the vision. "'Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, "'and they ran away and hid themselves.'" So there's 21 days of intense prayer. Daniel, at some point, uh, is prompted to go down to the Tigris River. Maybe he was going to bathe and break his fast. Maybe God impressed upon him to go there. And while he's there, there's this amazing sight. There's this messenger that appears to Daniel. And he's described here in dazzling terms. Some will tell you this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ because as you read Revelation chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, you see some of the same descriptors used of the Messiah, uh, of God there. And yet, I don't believe this is Christ. This is an angelic messenger, I believe. And the reason for that is because in verse 13... You see, this messenger was kept from coming by a demonic angel until the archangel Michael came and reinforced the the previous angel. And if this were God, we, we just sang a song earlier about who can stop the Lord Almighty. And if this were God, Jesus Christ, there is no angel, good or bad, who could have stood in the way of him. So this is this angelic messenger that is sent by God. And as he appears to Daniel, only Daniel sees him. Now the others sense the supernatural presence. If you've read Acts chapter 9, you'll recall when Saul, before he became the apostle Paul, was on the road to Damascus. Jesus appeared to him. There was this bright light. Paul is knocked down to the ground, and he's able to see uh, the resurrected Lord while those who were with him knew there was something going on, but they didn't see Christ. And here the others can feel this supernatural presence. They know something is happening, and they run away in fear. Now, verses 8 through 9 tell us that as they flee, Daniel is left. He says, So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision. Yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength, but I heard the sound of his words. And as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Daniel's already weak from fasting, and maybe he faints here. Maybe God put him into this supernatural stupor. I want you to think about how you would react if an angel appeared to you. What would be your reaction? Do you realize that there are angels in this very room and where you're worshiping at home right now, that there are angels watching your worship? The scriptures tell us when we worship, the angels watch. Ephesians 3.10, 1 Corinthians 11.10, 1 Peter 1.12 tells how they watch the way we worship. Now, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear that. They're not here to hurt us. They're here to help and they're here to learn and, and say, Wow, look at God's grace. And so as they're watching us, Hebrews one fourteen says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And here in verses ten and twelve we see how Daniel is helped. It says, and behold, a hand touched me, and he set me trembling on my hands and knees, and he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling, and then he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come in response to your words. Friends, don't miss where it says, from the very first day you prayed. I said earlier, have you ever been discouraged by silence? God hears our prayers. He hears them from the very start. And even when there's a delay in response, uh, here here we see there's a three-week delay. And the reason it happens here is because of this demonic opposition. In verse 13 it says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I have been left there with the kings of Persia. So this good angel says, I'm there with the demonic ones and I'm battling. And then reinforcements come. And the reason the reinforcements come, he says, is because of your prayers, Daniel. Daniel's answer to prayer was being blocked by a demon. Now, friends, I'm not one who sees the boogeyman behind every bush. I don't think the devil is in everything that goes wrong. But I will tell you the devil is real. Demons are real. We live in a world where there is spiritual warfare that is taking place. Here we're told that this has a, a situation where the prince of the kingdom of Persia has come. This is not a human ruler. This is not one of the Persian kings. The, the Hebrew word used here is sar. And sar is a word that is used of the angelic realm. And when it's used in a military context, it speaks of the rank of a general. So when it says the prince of Persia, this is a high-ranking angel. This is a, a commander in the demonic army that is involved in this situation demons have ranks they have powers they have places that they are assigned to there are geographic boundaries where different demons are at work. In Ephesians 1.21, we're told about rule, authority, power, and dominion. It shows how there are different things that the different demons and angels are involved in. Another song we sang this morning was Holy, Holy, Holy. There's a line in there where you sing the seraphim and the cherubim or the cherubim. Have you ever thought about what that is? Those are titles of angels. The Hebrew word seraph literally means fire or burning. The seraphim are the burning ones. They are a class of angels that are associated with the glory of God. As you read the scriptures, they are the angels who are in the presence of God. The cherubim are a class of angels that are of the high order. This is a different rank. We've seen the messenger angel Gabriel in this series in Daniel. Gabriel was the one who appeared to Mary and Joseph when it came to the announcement of the Messiah. There is a messenger angel class, and Gabriel is, is the, the premier angel there. We're, we're told about Michael the archangel. Read Jude chapter 9. There it designates his title. In and, and, and Daniel 12, we're going to see again that Daniel is assigned as the, the one to oversee Israel. This is the highest uh, angel in God's army. Now, the highest created angel that ever was made was Satan. He's called the covering cherub. As you read about Satan, before his rebellion, before he fell to the sin of pride that we find in Ezekiel twenty-eight sixteen, where he said, I want to seize the very throne of God. I want to ascend. I'm not just happy to be in his presence. He was created as an angel of light, the highest angel. And, and this is who Satan is. So there are these different classes and, and powers and, and reasons that they exist. And here on earth, there is this this battle that is taking place. When Satan fell, a third of the angels fell with him, as you see in Revelation 12.4. And so these fallen angels right now are trying to hinder God's work here on earth. In Ephesians 6.12, we're told, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a battle here on planet Earth that is taking place in what we would term the, the atmosphere, the sky. And, and spiritual warfare is not just something in Daniel's day, it happens right now in San Antonio, Texas in 2020, or wherever you are in the U.S. or around the world watching this sermon. There is spiritual warfare that is taking place. And as we're given this glimpse into what is happening, we see we're not to sit idly by. Friends, we're not just spectators. We are called to be in the fight. And the way we fight is by getting down on our knees to be in prayer. In verse 12, the angel tells Daniel, I have come in response to your words. It's Daniel's prayer that gave the extra power, that provided the resources of the reinforcements that came to push through and and defeat this prince of Persia. Now, again, I told you there are geographic areas, and the prince of Persia is dealing with the area of modern Iraq. Uh, This is a place that some in our church have been. We have soldiers who have been deployed and who have fought battles there. We have soldiers who were there in the presidential palace of Saddam Hussein, which was right on the banks of the Tigris River, where we're reading that Daniel was. Remember, the first Gulf War happened in 1991 when Saddam Hussein came in and took over Kuwait. And as this mobilization of forces went to go and do battle... Uh, Saddam at the time had the fifth most powerful army in the world and everybody said this is going to be a bloodbath. There are going to be mass casualties. Saddam Hussein himself said this is going to be the mother of all battles. And as preparations were made to, to go against his army that had been dug in. You remember the shock and awe air campaign began. And there were precision strikes that were rained down from above. And as this was happening, uh, Saddam's army was decimated to the point that when the ground forces went in, they were able to defeat in, in 100 hours in the ground campaign. And so this, these battles that we're reading about, we know about from recent history, where the area is and who some of these players are. Now, in terms of this illustration I just gave you of this shock and awe air campaign, we as Christians have air superiority. We get to call in God's power from above when we're doing battle. Now, unfortunately, many Christians do not tap into what God has given us. We pray, but how do we pray? I'll confess to you that my prayer life can always be better. There are times that I'm I'm humbled as I talk to others and I hear how they pray and I go, <laughs> I, I I need to do better. And as you think about how you pray, what is it? When you eat? Is it at bedtime when you're getting the kids ready for bed? Others of us will pray when things get bad, right? We ramp up our prayer life when we're taking a test, when we're facing a trial, when, when bad news has come. But when things pass, do we once again, set aside the privilege that we have to pray. We see here, and as we've seen all throughout the series, Daniel's a man of prayer. Remember, he would pray three times a day. When he was faced with death and told, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den if you continue to pray, he said, I would rather die than stop this ministry of prayer. Are we men and women like that? Look at the the decay of the society and the world in which we live. Look at the division of our country. Look at the problems in our school and society, the destruction of families, and the dignity of people as there are these battles about the worth of of people who are all created in the image of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be in prayer. We need to be fighting on our knees for all that is happening. There are demonic forces who are at world. And they are here in the land in which we live in, in America. People say what is happening in our country? Why are things getting so bad? And, and as you look at our society. We've been telling God to get out of our schools. We've told him to get out of our government. We don't want him in our business. And God as he's been withdrawing his hand to protection more and more. The satanic world has had more and more ability to be at work and create chaos in the world in which we're living. Daniel was one who stood in the gap. And because of his fervent intercession, he was able to overcome this powerful foe. The demonic forces didn't want the message of chapters 11 and 12 delivered. And God doesn't want, uh, Z- Satan doesn't want God's work to go on in the world in which we live either. Daniel's told in verse 14, Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. We've been talking about this unseen war with the angels that are all around us. And another passage where the curtain gets pulled back, where we're given a peek behind the curtain is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. There, there's another time where there was opposition against uh, God's people, the Jews, and, and, and the work that God was doing. The, the king of Aram was in power at the time, which is where Syria is, and he was attacking the Jews, and, and yet as he kept making plans to go to war, every time he went to attack, his his plans would be thwarted, the, the Jews were ready, and they had known something was going to happen, and so the king of Aram says, who is the spy, who's telling all the plans, and they said, well, there's this, there's this guy, the prophet Elisha. He's there in Israel. And every time we talk about something in secret here in the king's chamber, he tells everybody what's going on. So the king of Aram says, I want you to send my army to Dothan. I want you to get this guy. I want you to kidnap him and bring him back. And so Second Kings six fourteen through 17 picks up the story. It says, and he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and they surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had arisen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. The guy gets his cup of coffee. He walks out to get the morning paper. And he's, oh, the city's surrounded. The enemy army is here. He goes running back in, it says, And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So Elisha answered, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What if the curtain were suddenly to be pulled back for a moment right here? And we were to see the angelic army all around us. As I said, friends, this is real. They are here. And we don't recognize or realize it sometimes. Before Billy Graham died, he wrote a book called Angels, God's Secret Agents. And in it, he records the account of a missionary by the name of the Reverend John G. Patton. He was a missionary in the New Hebrids Islands and one night Patton's missionary headquarters were surrounded by the local uh, natives and they had come to burn down the missionary complex to kill Patton and his family to stop this work that was happening. And Patton and his wife prayed through the entire terror-filled night that God would protect them. And as dawn broke, as, as light came, they saw that these uh, native armies that had surrounded the complex several times over were gone. No harm had been done to the, the complex. Nobody had been hurt. And a year later, the chief of that tribe was converted to Christ. And Patton was curious as to why they had not been killed that night. So he asked the chief why he and the other warriors had not attacked. And the chief replied to him in surprise. And he said, well, who were all those men who were there with you that night? And Patton said, there wasn't anybody, it was my wife and I. And the chief argued with him and said, no, we saw hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands and they were standing guard. They were all around the mission station so we were afraid to attack and we left, said the chief. And only then did Patton have the curtain pulled back for a moment to see what Elisha's servant saw, the army of God that was all around. Does that give you goosebumps? It should because right now, as I said, there are angels all around us. Think of the times that God's angels have surrounded and protected you, times you didn't even know it. Have you ever been driving down the road and your car hydroplaned and you should have hit that tree and instead you somehow just managed to get right through the gap? Were there other times you can think of you should have had an accident? Other times you could have been a victim of crime? In this time of the COVID crisis, how many times have all of us been exposed to somebody who had it and didn't didn't come down with the virus? I mean, we don't know the many ways that God's angels surround and protect us over and over and over. We may never get to know as Elijah or that missionary did how God surrounded them with his angels. But in the Bible, we're told of how God protects us as we battle Satan. Ephesians six ten through 18 tells us, Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. As you look at all the armor, all the weapons that are mentioned there, notice that it closes with the most powerful weapon we have. Yes, we have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, but he says the most powerful weapon we have is prayer. We have the weapon of prayer at our disposal and when Daniel prayed here it unleashed God's power his, his army against Satan's and the same thing happens when we pray. 2 Corinthians 10:4 tells us for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. As Christians we are told to pray to get down on our knees and fight, friends. If you're a parent or a grandparent, are you praying for your kids? Not just your nightly prayers. Those are very important. Not only for you, and, but for your kids as they uh, see you pray, as you model for them. But are you praying for your kids? Not just prodigal ones. As parents, our hearts break when we have a wayward son or daughter and we pray for them. But what about those who are walking with the Lord? You need to be in prayer for them as well because they have a target on them. Satan would love to separate them from their close fellowship with God. Are you praying? What about your spouse? Are you praying for your spouse? Satan has been trying to destroy the home and the family from the very beginning. And are you praying for your spouse? That their heart would stay pure and tender toward you. That there would be a a love that is alive in your home. Are you praying for those that we've talked about before, our missionaries? As they're on the front lines of the field and they're dealing with with the difficult things in the mission field. Are you praying for the leaders here in the local church? Not just the pastors, but the people who serve. The, those who are across the courtyard right now that are serving in our children's ministry. Are you praying for them as they reach the hearts and minds of the little ones? Are you praying for your unsaved friends, co-workers, classmates, others who have not yet come to faith in Christ? Are you praying that God would, would draw them to himself? It's not our words. It's not the cleverness of our presentation. The scriptures are very clear that unless the Holy Spirit draws uh, men and women to himself, they will, they will not be saved. Are you praying that God would be at work moving in their lives? As you think about our country, are you praying for the leaders? I don't care whether you like them or not. If you don't like Trump, are you praying for the president? If you don't like Pelosi, are you praying for her as the house speaker? We are called to pray for our leaders, those who are in authority over us, our national leaders, our state leaders, our county officials, our municipal local leaders. Are you praying for those who are in authority over us? Ephesians 6:14 tells us to stand firm in the fight. God says, "Get on your knees and battle." Now if you're worried, well, if I get in the fight, Satan is going to come after me, because you know if you let a sleeping dog lie as long as you're not a threat to the kingdom, he'll leave you alone. Well, that, that may be true, but friends, God doesn't want us sitting by as spectators. And when we get in the fight, we're not alone. God is there to help us. We have help from his angelic army. Psalm 91.11 is a promise to Jesus as the Messiah, but it has general application to us. It says, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Beyond his guardian angels, we have God's promise of his presence in our life. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Satan and his demons are powerful. They are real. But friends, we have a powerful real God resident in our life as believers as well. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is the Holy Spirit in us than our enemy Satan in the world. Do you realize that you have God's Holy Spirit in your life as a Christian? 2 Corinthians tells us, do you not know your body is a temple of the Lord? The Spirit of God dwells within you. We've been sealed and indwelled by God's Holy Spirit. And Satan cannot touch what belongs to God unless God uh, withdraws his hand. Now, friends, I'm not telling you, you won't get beat up and discouraged. I've been a senior pastor for more than a quarter of a century, and I know what happens when spiritual warfare happens. As I prepared to preach this message, I knew what would happen. There have been all kinds of bad things going on in my my personal life right now. My back went out last Saturday. I couldn't even stand up before last Sunday's sermon. And so I know that there is spiritual warfare that is happening. And that's why we have to pray. That's why we have to be involved in the fight. You can read verses 15 through 21 and see what Daniel went through. It says, and yet as the battle raged, God gives Daniel the strength and peace that he needed as he prayed. And friends, God will do that with you as well. You can read Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Go to God in prayer. Avail yourself of the resources that he's given to you. Prayer is the weapon that God has given us to fight Satan in the spiritual realm and it will give us peace in the middle of whatever battle we are facing. As we end today, I want to encourage you, don't set aside the privilege, the power and the protection that we have as we go to God in prayer. Will you join me please as we end today by going to God in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you hear our prayers. Father, at the very moment that we say them, God, even in those times where we don't know how to pray, you tell us that the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for our own understanding. God, even when we don't know what to say, you call on us to call out to you, and you will hear us, and you will help us. We thank you, Father, that we are not alone in the fight. We have each other to strengthen and support and stand with us. We have your spirit, God, to help us as we fight. Lord God, we ask that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we look forward to that day when your son Jesus Christ will return to the earth from heaven where he will reign in righteousness here on the earth. But until that day, would you help us, God, to do your work and to spread the good news of your gospel. We pray these things in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, thank you for being here to worship with us. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, As you go this week, go to God in prayer. Stand firm in your faith. Fight on your knees. Pray for our country as the election approaches. As this Supreme Court uh, process comes to a close, be in prayer for all that's happening. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you for worshiping with us.